Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 89. In today's episode, I interview one of the happiest people in the world, Noelle Montero. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn all about Noelle's adventure walks, what makes her happy, and how you can apply this for yourself, as well as what the most important thing she has ever done in her life. Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Noel Montero. Noel, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. Oh boy, 10 sentences. So I was chubby growing up, so I competed in triathlon to lose weight, fell in love, competed for eight years, ran marathons in the winters, um, took a break because I got bored, tried bodybuilding, Didn't love it. I did really well, but I didn't love it. And so I took a leap into health and wellness, and that's where I am today. And I recently saw like you're doing uh, combining like something with some of the animal flow stuff, and you called it zeal flow, right? Yes, zeal flow. Share share with everybody what that's about because I mean, you've put your own spin on these things, and it still is all about this movement practice, and it just looks awesome. So if you could share with everybody so they have a better understanding where you're at now, then too. Yeah, for sure. I've always been interested in functional movement, you know, moving with my own body. I did gymnastics for, I think, a couple years when I was younger. And so Animal Flow was a course I took back last year. And it combines yoga and gymnastics and just really cool movements. And so I use that with clients as a way to have fun because I think exercise should be fun. I think, you know, we got to get out of the, the gyms and the boring reps and sets and just move our bodies and have fun with it. So that's what I do with clients. That's where animal flow came in. It's a way to play. You know, we make animal sounds sometimes, but then I combined it with all the other training I've done too, because there's so much more than just showing up and exercising. I want to make sure everyone can actually do the exercises. So we do, that's where zeal flow came from. So my company zeal wellness, zeal flow, I kind of made it up and it's just a combination of years and years of practice and playing and it, the people loved it. So that's the most important part. 
So are there any, like you said, this is kind of a free flowing thing, but uh, any animals you uh, like to act out better than others, if you will, or just any free flowing movements where you always seem to be drawn towards? My favorite one is the beast. So what, what is the beast like? If we could uh, maybe describe this. So the beast is when you're in a four point stance. So hands are on the ground, feet are on the ground. You start with your knees on the ground, like you're kneeling. And then you activate your beast, which means you lift your knees one inch off the ground. And that's it's just my favorite one because that's the foundation of it. You start doing side kick throughs. You can go under switches. And it's just a lot of fun from there. And you can make noises like beasts. And it sounds fun. Sounds fun. <laughs> that, that, always, that always certainly helps uh, a lot then too. Uh, no, so we met a couple months ago at HLC2, one of the Czech Institute classes. And even there, I saw you doing like – and, and I was with you like, hey, in between, like when we can, where a lot of people are just kind of on the ground, moving around, stretching about, like, how do you see that people can really just incorporate this into their day? Because some of the stuff that you're talking about is probably you can just take a minute or two, hey, every 20 minutes, every half hour, every hour, whatever it is, the, to just help your body move because everybody's sitting for eight hours a day. Like, do you have a lot of your clients even just try and incorporate some of these things as they move? Oh, absolutely. It's. One of my favorite ones is called a crab reach, and I think most people are familiar with what a crab looks like. So you have your hands on the ground and your feet, but your chest is up to the ceiling. And a crab like reach arms behind you, just because so everybody can kind of know. Like your arms are down behind you with that, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you start by sitting on your bum, and then your hands go behind you, and you lift up. Perfect. And you know the reach is when you push your hips up towards the ceiling. And I get clients to do this. You know, if they're qualified to do this, I get them to do it once or twice every couple hours just to help open them up and it's definitely something that I use all the time you saw in class every chance we got just get on the floor and just move because sitting in a posture all the time it's it's really tough on the body and for me I just get antsy I need to move around and that helps my thoughts flow too so I just get down there and move no so and I, I think to- that's no that, that seems like a really good one because you're stretching out I mean people know like stretch out the pack that type of thing but something like that stretches out the bicep which actually pulls the, sh- the short the shoulder forward a lot but i mean you're putting those glutes turning them on you're short or you're lengthening out the psoas like these are just all those chronic sitting postures that we get into so no that sounds like a really good one i might have to start uh using that a little bit of work too i'll do some more basic ones but yeah that that could definitely start working well too yeah i find it just it opens the whole front chain up chest stomach hips bum you got it <laughs> One of the other things I want to touch on, because I know you recently uh, finished uh, your Tai Chi Ruler uh, first 100-day gong, right? Yeah. So that's- that is an awesome accomplishment, first of all. So I want to say congratulations on that, because this is one thing Paul Cech teaches, uh, at H- or, like, or in his classes, HLC2, this is one movement that everybody starts to learn. And anytime that you can just get that 100 days, like, what has that really meant to you? What have you seen yourself uh, do and grow as uh, from a result of that? Okay, so this 100-day gong was, I'm going to say, the biggest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So I was saying before, I've done the triathlons, I've done the marathon, I did the bodybuilding thing, I did the eating disorder thing, I've done the, you know, I feel like I've done it all. And it's always looking for that that thing to make you feel good. I think at the end of the day, we all just want to feel good, have energy. And so I was looking for all these answers to do that. And honestly, the 100-day gong was it. 
Um, I started off and it felt like a duty. I'm very left brain sometimes and it felt like, okay, I just got to get it done. Let's just do this. Just show up. And so I went to the same spot every single day. I was fortunate enough to start it in the summer so I could go outside all the time. Oh, and so on, I that, shouldn't be, that shouldn't matter at all. <laughs> I've been trying to do it in the cold, but my feet get really, really cold. I'm trying though. Okay. Um, actually, here's one thing. Now, do you wear shoes or you still do it without shoes? Oh, I've never worn shoes. Always okay. barefoot. So one thing that's, and I think I, Paul talked about this in one of the other classes that I was at too. Uh, I mean, I try and do it barefoot in the middle of winter. I'm just not standing on snow. Uh, but what I do, I make sure I have either cotton or wool socks and then I'll wear uh, like my Birkenstocks because it's still just that natural fiber to at least allow some of the conductance uh, with the earth. I mean, is it going to muddle it up a little bit? Yes, but it still is better, I think, than putting like pair of rubber boots on just like completely blocking it anything like that so no that's something i would just recommend to you uh that i think paul uh had taught me once and i think is really does the trick uh as it does get into the colder months especially up north in canada for you there too so that's a good idea because it was just getting a little bit unbearable on the feet and you know i'm trying to use my mind to be like okay bring the chi up and warm up myself but it's that's, that's a great idea. I'm going to use little <laughs> Yeah, that, that was one of the ones I was happy to learn. Yeah, and it's better than uh, losing a few toes over. Yes, for sure. But honestly, the 100-day gong was just the best thing. It wasn't until day 77, 75 that I actually started to feel any sort of connection to a higher power. But And then, you know, some, I'm still doing it, so I'm on day 132 right now. And... There's still days. There's still days where I show up and I'm thinking, oh, I just got to get this done. And I'm antsy the whole time. And I'm thinking this couldn't be any longer. And then there's other days where it just flies by. But lately what I've been doing is using affirmations during my practice to help keep me focused and keep me, gets, gets my mental game going for the beginning of the day. So that's what I like to do. Uh, are there any, I guess, other mental practices that use, whether they be meditation or uh, no. just positive affirmations or is this kind of your go-to like this is your designated time to do that at the mental part has been my biggest struggle especially since hlc2 i think angie our instructor really picked that up with me she gave me her coin if you remember that part yeah, and yeah. Uh, so i've been using the coin drill a lot the you know where you because i i get caught very often when my mind starts getting into a little negative swirl and I start thinking about, you know, I'm not good enough or I couldn't do that. You know, I start thinking of possibilities. And so the coin drill has been the biggest change for me as well. But that's something that I, I do teach my clients to do, but it's something that I do personally with myself mostly. And then using that, building affirmations from those, from the coin drill. And then the morning is when I take the time to really set the focus for the day. So set, you know, sometimes it can be as simple as, I accept and love myself completely for who I am right now, or it can be as little as I am beautiful. You know, it's just whatever, whatever I need that day. That's a really great way to look at it because a lot of times I think people get hung up. Like you said, like sometimes you get that really left brain, like, or whatever. And you're just always concentrated only one thing. Like it's gotta be about this, about this, about this. No, see where you're at for the day. You can take it from there for really adopting what you need. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I've been doing the 100-day gong at night now, too. So I started my second 100-day. So I do it in the morning and at night. And for a while, that was really tough because I'm thinking left brain. I have to do it in the morning. I have to do it at night. But just remembering that it's just a practice. It's just 20 minutes to give to myself twice a day. 
you know, so yes, sometimes I do Tai Chi. Sometimes I just do zone exercises and stretch and move my body. Sometimes I just lay there on the ground and breathe if it's been a really tough day. But I think the most important part is that we just do what our bodies need, you know, just listen, take some time and just respect that. Is there anything that you see either with yourself or your clients that uh, you're just not giving what your body needs? Do you see like something come up over and over? It's like people are always just avoiding this, neglecting this when it's such a simple practice uh, that they can add into their lives. Oh gosh, I get stuck in this every day. And you know, you start thinking, Oh, I don't have 20. Some clients, they tell me they don't even have five minutes, you know? And then I get to the point where I don't, you know, I don't have 20 minutes. You start getting into this game with yourself. I don't have 20 minutes. I should go do the laundry. I should be doing should, 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 or could, could, you know, all those little (laughs) (laughs) mind blockers. But I think the biggest thing is just setting, for me, I had to set rules. So I do Tai Chi every morning. That's simple rule. And you know, whether I just stand there, sometimes I just lay there. Most days I do the actual Tai Chi practice though. But I think that's the most important part is just showing up, you know, be kind, just set rules. You know, this is what I have to do every day to keep myself good and do it. And yeah. So what are maybe some of your other things that where it's basically your rules that you kind of live by where it's, I'm going to do these three things or these five things, uh, just every day to really help your body function optimally, your brain, I mean, your spirit, whatever it might be. So so after HLC two in June, I really took the approach of following the four doctors that honestly, that course really changed everything in my life. Um, so every day I try to check in with the four doctors. So Dr. Quiet is the one I check in first thing, because I know that's the one I struggle with the most because I am very, very go, go, go. And you know, I'll skip meals if I need to sometimes. But if I check in with Dr. Quiet every single morning, I'm great. And then usually I take time to look at my goals and sometimes I'll draw a Mandela first thing in the morning. It, again, it just depends on the day. Sometimes I'll go for a walk first thing. But each day I just try to check in, okay, how did I move today? Sometimes it can be as simple as I did Tai Chi. I went for a walk. I stretched or I worked out. How did I fuel myself today? Did I take time to consciously eat my food? So the rules I have, because I am, again, transitioning from being you know very left brain, have to do this, have to do this, and even using the word rules sometimes I find is tough for myself, but guidelines. So I have guidelines every day. So each day I know how I want to feel. I want to feel full of energy. I want to feel positive. I want to feel that I can give my love to other people and accept that love from them. So I'll check in. If I just worked with a client and I felt really, really anxious after that client or I didn't give as much as I could, then I just take time. Okay, I need five minutes here just to most times lay on the ground and just breathe. (laughs) Honestly, that is the best tool for me. Just lay there and breathe for five minutes. And then all of a sudden I just feel that much better. So not so much rules every day, but I know what I want to feel. And that's what I try to teach my clients is teaching them to understand what this, what good feels like that way they can get themselves back to that as often as they can. That is an awesome one though, right there. Like just laying on the ground and just breathing for five minutes because I can tell uh, like certain patients of mine, like if they come in the door, uh, all of a sudden, I'm like my chest is like tight, like I can't get that deep breath. And it's just, I know, because I can feel the whirlwind like of a rush yeah. that they bring in there. Uh, so I have to just, hey, okay, I'm gonna not let that affect me. Uh, is it going to still have an effect on the environment around me? Sure, but do I have to do my best to mitigate that to uh, not let it affect how 
I'm going to do my best to help them. Well, yeah, like I, I still have to almost separate that. So no, that's a great way. Like I'll notice, okay, if I'm just standing there for a minute, like I might look like I'm doing notes, but I might just be taking a few deep breaths, like well, not even too. worrying about right. it. It's a great way to do it for sure. And at the end of the day, it's best for the client too, because if, so I have to remind myself a lot, what is theirs is there, what is mine is mine. And Absolutely. just keep that, keep that little barrier, but not a huge barrier. It's, you know, big enough that I can still help them, but I'm not absorbing all of their stuff. And they're not absorbing my stuff too. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. I'll be the first to say that. So I want there to be a equal exchange of energy between us. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're just like, Hey, standing back, like completely pushing them away, they're going to recognize that too. They, they might not recognize it, uh, in that form, but they're going to know something's going on. Like why, why is this not working now? Then why is this not jiving? Uh, so yeah, yeah, being able to exchange that equally, that's, that's a great way to put that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So we were talking about, uh, like how you start in your day, that type of thing. What is, uh, what is, what does a good night rest look like for you? Like, how are you prepping to do that so that you can jump into that day, but also make sure that you're not over analytical, over hard charging that first thing. Cause you said like Dr. Quiet, something you really need to, uh, be aware of for yourself. Oh gosh. Sleep is. I'm quickly learning sleep is the most important part for myself. I used to think I'd be okay with six, six and a half hours of sleep, but then I couldn't, I wouldn't recognize all the things that I was doing because I was lacking sleep. So I would be eating, be craving sugary things or craving more fruit fruit than normal or just being cranky or short tempered with people that didn't need to be. So that is something, and I'm so happy you brought that up. That is one of the most important things in my life right now is making sure that I get my sleep in. And I'm okay if I get seven to eight. Like I, I won't. I used to get really down on myself, but I'm accepting seven to eight hours of sleep. So at night, what I do, oftentimes I'll go to bed between nine thirty and ten thirty, and so I always know that an hour before that I need to start winding down. So an hour before that, I either shower or just do my night routine, which is you know brushing my teeth, taking out my contacts, washing my face. And then I sit down in my chair in my room and just hang out there for a bit, whether it's journaling, whether it's coloring, um, reading a book, whatever I need to do in that moment. And then I do my Tai Chi right before bed. I like to do 20. Sometimes it's 10 or 15. Again, depends on the day. And then I go to bed. So an hour before bed, I like to prep and then sleep, hopefully seven to eight hours. And then I start over again. So I, the, first, the last thing I do before sleep is Tai Chi. And the first thing I do when I wake up is Tai Chi because I like to just, you know, thank God or whoever for the day at night and just thank them and appreciate the day. And then the first thing I do when I wake up is, wow, I woke up today. Thank you for today. I'm trying to do the best I can today. So that's that's that answer in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, what have you, what I guess has helped you the most, uh, not necessarily helped you. What have you recognized most about yourself? Uh, maybe as far as like what's changed uh, since that recognition of Dr. Quiet, like how has that most impacted your life? Just being able to enjoy life a little bit more. Sorry, a lot more. You know, when I was ignoring Dr. Quiet, I was just so busy all the time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say hi to my parents. I wouldn't pet my mom's dog. I wouldn't, I would just be rushed with clients. I would be rushing from here, there and everywhere. And so the practice of the Tai Chi and it just helped me 
slow down and recognize what's important. And then I was getting to a little spot there in my life where I was getting back to that rush, rush, rush. And I was able to borrow a, to dog sit last week for a friend of mine. And, you know, having a dog around just reminded me, okay, I need to slow down, get out in nature, walk. So <laughs> it just Dr. Quiet taught me how to enjoy life again and be okay. You know, if someone talks for an extra 20 minutes, that's okay because they had something to share with me and I have something to share with them. So just learning to go with the flow a lot more. That's what Dr. Quiet is teaching me. <laughs> well, what are some of the things then that you uh, really enjoy? Maybe outside of uh, like your work or your practice, like, Okay, you're just getting out and talking about in nature, like things that you like to do out there specifically, really just going and just enjoying it all? Oh, gosh, yeah. I love being outside. So coming from a triathlete runner's background, I had a hard time with going for walks because like walking is way too slow. Why would I just walk this? I could run this. I can go way further if I'm running. So <laughs> I've been learning how to, I call them adventure walks. So I'm really fortunate that I live right beside a forest and I go for adventure walks as much as possible. So what it entails is I start by walking, and if I feel like running, I'll run. And if I feel like climbing a tree, I'll go to climb the tree. If I feel like doing lunges or push-ups or whatever I need to do, then I'll do that in the middle of the walk. So I just, for me, it's an adventure. I just get out there, get out with nature. You know, sometimes I'm sprinting, sometimes I'm jumping up and down. People give me really weird looks, but I love it. <laughs> It's my own little obstacle course walk, and that's what keeps me feeling good and being full of energy. And I haven't had anyone join me yet, but you know, now that I've shared this with you, who knows? <laughs> I might All get right. some offers. Well, then, where would you, outside of like your normal uh, going out uh, to the park near your house, where on earth would you like to go most to do an adventure walk? Oh, I have a couple places. All right, let, let's hear the top three. What are that? Where are they? Africa. All right, I more, would love more specific though. Let's let's hear it. Like, where in Africa do you want to go? Oh, see, I'm not 100% sure where. I have two opportunities that I could stay in Africa right now. But where I want to go is I want to go to the desert, and I want to meet the people who have the least of the least of everything in their lives. So I want to see, you know, and I can't say the worst of it because I don't know their perception. For them, it might be the best times of their lives. So I just want to see the people who have no things in their life they're not you know what i mean by that they don't have yeah just that minimalist like okay you have some shelter you have some food yeah families around you're pretty damn happy from there yeah i want to meet them and just see what their point <laughs> because you know i think in our society or at least in my world i've been told you see those commercials where you see the kids on there and they look they look like they're suffering they don't have water they don't have food but that's just the perception they're trying to teach us. I want to see what their life is really like. They might be the happiest people in the world. Who knows? So I would love to go do an adventure walk in the desert, meeting new people. The next place I'd like to go is some sort of jungle, rainforest of some sort. So I don't really know where that is. And then mountains. I'd love to go and explore some mountains, do an adventure walk up there. So have so you that been is to any of these types of places already? No. All right. Well, I don't know. That's why I'm checking to see. Yeah. No, my, when I travel, I haven't done a ton of traveling, but that is kind of my dream right now. I don't love doing the touristy things. I don't love going where people, I love going somewhere and finding a couch to stay on and meeting the people. And then, you know, they tell me where I should go next. So I go to the next spot and I meet people there and they teach me, 
oh, you should go look at this place. So then I go over there. That's the way. Now, for me, that would be an adventure, adventure walk for me because I'm just exploring and learning and meeting new people and just seeing what happens next. Well, so it is. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, one of the things in there you said, like, well, okay, well, just what makes them happy? But how about yourself? Like, how would you define happiness? That's a good question. I am not big on material things, even money. So, you know, some people in, in my life try to, you know, give me things to make me feel happy or my, you know, give or receive love. But for me, happiness is just connecting with someone and being in the moment and sharing and giving love. So I had the opportunity to go to the four quad coaching in California in September. And I have never felt so much love and happiness compared to being that course. And I think it's because we gave and received love from everyone without fear. You know, there was people, they'd be hugging each other and holding hands. And, you know, this might sound like a hippie sort of thing, but I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for me, that's happiness. When you can give and receive love without fear or judgment or criticism from anyone else. And you're just genuinely being connected with that person. That is what happiness is to me. And I guess that involves other people, but I guess you can create that loving connection with yourself. And that's where you can feel it because happiness starts within, within. And I believe we have to choose to be happy every day or just make a choice. You know, I'm, I am a happy person and I will be happy. And then the rest will come. I think that's being content with yourself. That is, that is awesome there. Like you said, are you going to find happiness maybe with others? Certainly. But yeah, that happiness with and about yourself, just however that looks for you. Hey, it's an awesome thing. It just puts a smile on your face there while you're doing your Tai Chi every morning, I'm sure. Right. So that's, that certainly is a great way to go about it. Uh, no, I want to kind of get into maybe, uh, your movement practice now a little bit, because I'm curious a little bit more. Uh, do you have a, a structure to it? Like you said, it's the zeal flow. So it's, I'm guessing like an ever flowing, ever changing thing, but do you follow, uh, any specific practices, principles, uh, when programming either for yourself or others with that? I, so I'm a big, big believer in using the check system. I just did CP one. And honestly, I, so this last two years when I moved, I had, I moved back to Woodstock with my parents and I made a decision to be responsibly irresponsible. So I knew these next two years, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. I was going to be responsibly irresponsible for two years. And I'm coming up to the end of that two years now, but I took every single course out there that I possibly could. You know, don't ask me about my credit cards, but, <laughs> um, you know, I believe that will also take care of itself as I begin to work more. But honestly, I tried, I learned the very bodybuilding style stuff. I learned, I worked in physio clinics, so I've learned more of the rehab stuff. And honestly, the things that work the most with clients is keeping it easy, keeping it simple and focusing on the stretching, focusing on improving their posture and doing the correctional exercises that work for that person. So a lot of the things I do follow, I don't follow any specific people. I can't say, oh, I follow blank, and I watch their videos every day. I like to take from a bunch of different people. So I will watch videos from, you know, from Paul Check or in Canada we have something called the Darby Training Systems. I, I do a lot of their courses. 
Stretch to Win Institute. I do a lot of their courses, this animal flow thing. And then, you know, I'm always looking up different movements. My brother is a cheerleader, and I, I love to watch his practices and learn what he's doing. So I use that as well, acro yoga. And uh, just try to make my own little practice. So for myself, it's just about exploring. It's just about, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes in my studio, I turn up the heat and I put out a yoga mat and I just start by laying down on my back and then I breathe and then I move with my breath. So if all of a sudden I feel like lifting up my right hip a little bit, I do that and then I just explore. So for myself, that is the best way for me to work on my own mobility is just there's no plan, just moving with my breath and then I and I am getting better at being able to feel where the blockages are. So I'll be breathing into my right hip and I'm like, whoa, there's a blockage on the top of my hip. So I'll just breathe and try to move my body in different ways to address that. And I'll keep breathing until I feel like it's gone. And I'm like, okay, sometimes there's a big emotional release that comes with that. Sometimes there's not. So then I move on to the next part. Sometimes it's in my calf or in my shoulder. And I just, so I use the zone exercises from check and I use a lot of their stretches and then other movements that I've learned just to, to flow. So in its simplest form to answer your question, I just try to keep it simple and really connect with my body where I feel blocked and move and breathe through that spot. You said in there too, like you said, uh, tons of courses, like learning from all these people don't necessarily follow uh, somebody every day, but is there just an area maybe of study that you're just absolutely geeking out on right now? We're just like all in diving in really trying to learn everything about uh, a certain subject or like a group of subjects even infant development. Infant development. This is no, hold on. This is an awesome topic that is uh, completely underserved, underutilized. So yeah, please go into that a little bit more. What is necessarily infant development and uh, take, take it where you will, please. So this is something, there's a book called wisdom of the body moving. It's a prereq for HLC three. And I read it last year. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I read it the first time. I don't know if I absorbed any of it. Because um, looking back at it, I, I'm rereading it again for the course, and it's, it's blowing my mind. It's a new but, book for you now, right? Yeah, you haven't read it yet. No, and okay. I'm, no, I'm saying like I've read it a couple times, but each time I read it, it's like I, I just feel like I'm reading a completely different book every single time I go through it. Yeah, and honestly, I think every book is like that because it depends where you are in life and what you're taking out of the book for what you need in that moment. So infant development is something I've always been interested in. So I read her book and I was trying out some of the practices. So what I was just describing there about laying on the ground and moving with the breath, she explains a lot of those practices in that book. So I've been using a little bit of that. I read the book Wisdom, Eastern Body, Western Mind. And that book also takes you through some practices. So there's one where you're laying on your back and your legs are up in the air and you're just kicking. And that's supposed to remind us of when we're in the crib and we're kicking and it gives us our ability to say no and to build our power. So smaller kicks mean not as much and then larger kicks mean you're you're super in charge, you're powering yourself up. And simple things like putting your hands out to give and receive love. So at CP1, which I just took last week, I we learned a lot about infant development. So Ashley was my instructor and she is, she calls herself the queen of infant development and she just, <laughs> she was amazing. and. As a whole group, we went through breathing. So breathing was the first one and then twisting. So we were playing with that, getting to roll from the navel. 
And then we did the inchworm. Yes. And we're, you know, moving back and forth and learning how to do it. So she coached each one of us on how to do the inchworm. And honestly, I did it and I felt like, I feel like a million bucks after. You get up and you're like, woo, let's take on the world. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's it just made sense. It just clicked in my mind. So, you know, where does the lunge come from? We, we looked at, you know, where did someone miss a certain part of their development? Did they crawl? Did they reach? Were they picked up all the time? Did they walk too soon? Did they walk too late? So I... It's one of those topics that I never learned at university. I've only learned it through the Czech Institute, and it's I've used it with some of my clients, the inchworm specifically, and they are impressed with themselves too. They get up and they're like, whoa, I feel great. So I think it's a topic that I am exploring more of. I never crawled when I was a kid. I, I did the bum shuffle, so I sat and shuffled, according to my mom. So crawling was something that I had to relearn how to do. And that's another reason why I was drawn to animal flow was to teach me how to crawl again. So did you guys have like a lot of hardwood floors in your house growing up even? That's a good question. I don't think we did. I think there's a lot of carpet. Okay. Cause no, that's where I've seen like, uh, and heard people talk where they say, okay, yeah, you know what? And they think about it then it's like, oh yeah, we had all hardwood. Like there were a couple of throw rugs here and there, but that's why kids will do something like that. Or just like more of a bear crawl rather than like the typical mammalian crawl, like on the hands and knees too. Yes, for sure. And and I was talking to my mom a lot about my the first year of my life after taking this course. And I hope my mom's okay with me sharing this with you. She broke her pelvis when I was four months old. Mm-hmm. So four months would be four to six months, I think, would be when I was beginning to should be getting to learn how to crawl. But my mom would have broken her hip. So she was laying down all the time. And my grandma and my grandpa were there to help take care of me a lot. So I'm wondering if I didn't learn how to crawl because I never saw her crawl or was never really encouraged. It was always she was always sitting down, so I would always just be sitting with her. Who knows? But I'm not sure why I didn't crawl. She doesn't know why either. But I'm just making up these little theories. But again, does it really matter at this time? No. It's you're going back. You're relearning if need be. You're ingraining these motor patterns so that it doesn't affect things like your twisting pattern, your bending pattern, just all of these higher level functions then uh, beyond that. So it's, you're go, you can go through, because that's where I'll use uh, some of the infant development, like, all right, somebody cannot just figure out how to bend over properly. Like they're just dropping and they just hunch right down. But you go through uh, one or two of these, depending on what uh, really they're, uh, what, what they're missing basically from that infant development. And all of a sudden they just do it. And they're like, like you said, after the inchworm, something like that, like, holy cow, this light bulb goes off. It's like, well, this is easy now. (laughs) Yes, and they just get it. So I'm just very, very new at this stuff. And I am so, like, I hope to learn from you even a little bit more because what you're saying there, that's, you're using it in practice. That's cool. I'm just learning how to use it in practice. And what I would say, and this is just with anything else is experiment. Try it out. Have, like you said, have some of your clients, have somebody do the inchworm. See what they feel. See how they move before and after. And you can see, as we were talking about like, okay, maybe it's a blockage in their hip that's affecting their ability to lunge properly. And you do just some of this rotational work while they're on the ground, kind of moving, rolling, jiving. And then all of a sudden it looks so much better afterwards because now they've just reintegrated all of these different structures, left half, right half of the body, top to bottom. I mean, diagonals, all of the above, they really just all come into play. That's awesome. And that's the most important part. You just want to teach clients how to move. 
And I'm really getting into working with the mind part of this too. You know, what emotional blocks are you holding on to? What's really blocking you? What's, you know, what relationship can't you, are you having troubles with right now that's also impeding this movement? So I'm trying to get into that a little bit more as well. Yeah, because for sure, like there's no distinct separation between emotions, uh, physical body, mental health, uh, spiritual health, I mean, so on and so forth. So yeah, integrating them, that's going to be the best way to give uh, yourself, your clients, the most bang for their buck. Uh, is there anybody that you're studying um, maybe for that mental game, that emotional game, uh, to be able to integrate it with all of your movements practices then too? A lot of it, like we are just saying, is trial and error. So I've read books yeah. about the chakras and I'm learning more about the psychology of it. But a lot of it is just learning how... So can I witness my client in their moment right now instead of getting involved with what's going on in their emotional life? You know, I care. I still want to show them love and empathy. But can I become a witness in our in our own conversation and ask them good questions? And so a lot of that comes down to letting go of my thoughts and just being present with that client. So a lot of times, and this is where I'm learning, this is what the Tai Chi has really helped me with, is creating that connection with the higher power and just being present in that moment. Can I just sit here and let the questions almost flow through me when I'm with the person? And because sometimes we'll be moving on the floor, we'll be doing our infant development or we'll be stretching or strengthening, and all of a sudden I can see it in their face. It's like, oh boy, some thought just came into their head and it just changed it all. So in the past, I'd be sitting there thinking, almost trying to go through their file in my head thinking, okay, what could this be? What relationship could this be? And all this stuff. But now I just, I just sit there and breathe. <laughs> and oftentimes the question will just come to me. You know, it'll be like, okay, what's the, what's going on with your dad this week? And whew, it just turns it all on, you know, the waterworks come out and it, but it's a beautiful thing to see because they've, truly physically emotionally mentally have let that block go and afterwards they always they're always so thankful and happy and lighthearted. and so learning I'm trying to learn from experience being open and using my own intuition when when, when I'm with clients to ask them what they need to be what they need help with and so I always give that disclaimer when I'm with my clients you know some of the questions I ask it's not for my own personal any personal use it's just to help you because I, I often tell them I'll get questions and I'm not sure where these questions are coming from but it's all for you it's all to help you be a better person and get you closer to your goals so and I always tell them too if you're if you want to talk about it I'll talk about it with you right now but if you want to take it home and think about it and bring it back then we can do that too so the biggest book that opened that up was that Eastern Body Western Mind book and I don't remember her the author right now but that book really changed a lot for me because that talks about the psychology and the chakras together so as we're just sitting here talking breathing is your intuition uh bringing anything up that you just want to talk about that you just have been like so pent up like i want to share this with the world anything that's coming to mind well this last part we just talked about was that well that was pretty good that i didn't know if there's just anything else not yet. If I get something, I'll let you know. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, then one thing I'm curious about is, all right, we're talking about all these books, like all these courses, taking stuff. 
is there somebody in history or who in history would you just most like to have met and what would you want to ask them? So I learn best by watching people and I am not the best with names when it comes to history. I don't have someone specifically from history that I would like to learn from, but I would like to go to a point in time when people didn't have a lot of things in life. So I guess before, well before the Industrial Revolution, maybe near the 16, 1700s, and just watch. Just watch what people did. You know, how, because that's how I learned best. You know, how did this man approach his wife? And what was their connection like? What did he say to bring that smile to her face? Or what did he say to bring that smirk or, to, or that frown to her face? And then how did they interact with their kids? And how did they... That's what I would love to learn more is just watching because I don't learn. I do learn well with conversations, but learning way better just by watching them. So, well, thinking about that time period, what do you think is something that you would be able to watch that uh, could have a profound impact on your life right now? How to love. That's what I'm trying to learn. How to love and how to receive, receive love. That's my biggest thing right now. How can I accept love how can I accept help and ask be okay to ask for help too and I think you know that is my biggest thing that I'm trying to learn right now by watching other couples other relationships other just people in day-to-day life so I'd like to go to a time where I guess it's platonic it's called now where people can just you know you and I could just be cuddling or you know not in a weird way though just right right and giving love right and you know, I'd like to get to a point in history when people were doing that without having the people in society saying that's wrong or that's bad or you can't or you're cheating on your boyfriend or you're cheating on your husband. It's But it's not that. It's just giving and receiving love through touch. And Well, and I think that brings up a point. Even <laughs> certain cultures where uh, if males will hold hands together if they're just walking in public. Well, it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean anything beyond that. I mean, like you said, they're just going out, having a walk, conversation, and holding a hand. Like, that doesn't have to be uh, thought of as, okay, well, they're homosexual or any of this. It's No, they're just sharing love, sharing a moment, and just enjoying the hell out of it for what they're doing at the time. Yeah, and that's something that we learned in infant development is how important touch is. But I know I've grown up in a family where touch isn't very, it's not given very often. Even hugs or kisses or anything it's just it's not really it's almost it's a weird like oh don't don't do that don't hug me don't you know and I so that's where I'm trying to learn more but in my boyfriend I'm so grateful to have him in my life him and his family are super touchy and they hug each other all the time and they'll just be standing there with their arms around each other and in my head I'm like what the heck is that <laughs> but I mean I know I brought that into my life for a reason to learn more about it so I don't know what culture or who that specific person is for me to learn from but you know the more i put it out there the more people that are coming into my life that are willing to do that with me because i'm i'm becoming more willing to do that with others so no and i think talking bringing this back to almost the infant development if you will uh again you have all these points of contact receptors on the front of your body on the back of your body and if you're not stimulating them uh, through all these points of contact, like, hey, some people can only lie on their back. If they get on their stomach, they're like freaking out. And that's even some of this. It's like, that's the same thing though. 
in my theory at least as giving a hug because giving a hug you're bringing somebody in like if you're laying on your yeah. stomach you're bringing that into you so all of these things we can just take it back to okay we can develop this through some infant development where it's you're getting these fronts of the shoulders touch the the hips the stomach uh rather than hey maybe we're just used to having our back being touched uh just because we lay on our backs or or whatever it might be um so yeah there's always ways to integrate this we're talking about bringing those emotions that the that mental capacity in with the physical capacity here's a great way to do that then too yeah for sure and so that is a big area that i'm learning how to grow into and that that is a big part of why i want to travel and why i want to see other parts of the world we were just talking about that africa place which i will research and do more learning about where i want to go but you know, I believe that when you have no nothing in your life, no things in your life, and all you have is connection and touch with other people, then, and I think that's that's part of true happiness too, and love, is just being able to connect and, you know, be completely yourself in that moment. And I think when we have, when we have nothing, we don't have fancy clothes or cars or societal views, all we have is love in each other. And so that's what I'm trying to learn. And I think by traveling to different parts of the world and meeting those who who we would consider poor or less fortunate, but are they or are they super happy because they they're able to touch each other and they have no clothes or they don't have a shelter, so we have to cuddle to stay warm. You know, I'm who knows, but this this is where I'm learning and exploring next. So, Noel, what would be then your vision for a healthy future? Uh, maybe for yourself, your family, but just even the world in general. What does that look like for us to all just be happy, be healthy, feel loved? First, I do believe that everyone should do a hundred day gong. <laughs> in what though? Let me ask you that. Let me pose that. Does it does it have to be a specific practice or maybe any type of practice for them? I think you need to do, or I invite, sorry, people to do a you know, five to 20 minutes every single day for 100 days of quiet time. So you can lay on the ground and breathe for five minutes. You can do a zone exercise for five minutes. You can do Qigong or Qigong or, you know, some of those practices. But I think five to 20 minutes every day because we need to become whole. In order for the world to move forward, each individual needs to complete their own circle. So being able to love themselves, depend on themselves, encourage, motivate, inspire themselves, and then everyone else in the world is just there for the ride, is there for the fun. I think we become very dependent on other people for our happiness or for our motivation or inspiration when everything you need is inside of you right now. So I think to create that world of happiness, of health, we just need to complete our own circles and be able to depend on ourselves. So whether that's doing Tai Chi for a little bit so that you can clear your mind enough to go eat healthy food and exercise. But I think the, the bigger picture is just becoming okay with yourself. And then you can start to create relationships with others. And then you can start to eat. You know what I mean? Just then all the other things come through. Then we can start talking about organic food and water quality. But you need to create space in yourself first for that. So I always describe this to my clients as a ballroom. You're a dancer in the middle of a ballroom, but your ballroom is shoved full of things and people right now. So what Tai Chi does for me is to create space in my ballroom so I can dance. So that way I can dance with one thing or one person at a time. 
instead of trying to dance with all these people and we're uncoordinated and we're bumping into each other. So for me, that's what Tai Chi does. It's just, it takes out some of the people, it takes out some of the things that are in my way so that I can be in my beautiful dress in the beautiful ballroom and I can dance. So a problem comes into my life and I can dance with it and then I can let it go. And then there's space for another one. But if I'm jammed pack, I can't move. So I think to create that life of happiness and love, we just have to empty out our ballrooms a little bit and create space to breathe. So. And it seems it's it's funny. We're like you just said, uh, completing the circle. Everything we're talking about today is just it's coming full circle. We're just bringing all of these things back to just the simplest forms of of these activities, whether it's uh, just clearing the mind, just simple exercise. Uh, talking about just you said like the organics, the water quality, all these things are just very simple to do. And they, for the most part, they require no thing that nothing. Uh, I mean, with the exception of, yeah, okay. Some, some food and water, but everything else is, Hey, you are the one again, making yourself happy and bringing that into your life. Uh, I, I, I love to see that just that full circle again, bringing it all together to just make it so simple uh so yeah i think the gong can really do that uh especially like you said a a mental breathing uh practice rather than it doesn't have to be a 100 days of running a marathon or something like that oh yeah i you know what i believe that it is so simple and sometimes i feel bad you know for my services because it's so simple (laughs) but and when i take people through (laughs) for me though but I can under I can, and I can understand and relate to them that their their minds or their ballrooms are just too full right now, and it is literally so simple. Just slow down, take a second to breathe, and just you. I, I believe that every single person knows exactly what they need to do. They know how to repair themselves. They know how to make money. They know how to and it, because it's inside of them. And I think everyone else is just ways to give them clues of how to get there. You know, whether it's inside of them or they need to connect to a higher power to get that answer. But, you know, I see my job as just I'm a coach. I'm on the sideline. I'm the cheerleader being like, hey, let's, you know, let's breathe today. Let's take some time. And so I've stepped away. That's why my practice has changed a lot. When people used to come to me, I'd say, yes, we need to exercise. We need to do nutrition, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm coming to the point where I just try, I literally just breathe with clients or do Tai Chi or, and it's working. It is absolutely working right now. This second gong that I'm on, my goal is to initiate 50 other gongs for people. So, and I, I don't know if I'll get, I'm not sure if I'm not doing this right, but for me that the gong, what I'm encouraging people to do is just five minutes. So five minutes of breathing every single day for 100 days. And that's their 1%. That's the one thing I always take away. If you do 1% better for 100 days, you're going to be 100% better in 100 days. So I just try to help people see that, you know, just every single day, five minutes for yourself for the next 100 days. And that's their goal. They don't have to do 20 minutes of Tai Chi with the special Tai Chi ruler. You can just sit on the floor and breathe for five minutes. And I find it's getting the most results for people right now. Because then when they when they have space, yes, then they're going to go exercise. Then they're going to go eat the food. But we need to start at the, the bigger picture here. What's the most important for this person? They need to breathe. So what do you do if you get pushback on that? It's like, 
I, I don't have five minutes like just to, to sit down and breathe. I, that's, that's really not going to help me out. So then we start at 30 seconds or a minute. And it just, what I do with clients is really, I try to paint a picture in my head of what their day would be like. So if they say, you know, I'm too busy, I get up and I have kids and I have to get going to the kids right away. Like, okay, but do you get up? Are you in bed by yourself? Are you alone? Do you go to the washroom? Do you shower? You know, I, I just try to ask them, when could you do this five minutes? Or do you drive to work every day? Do you do dishes? You could do this when you're doing your dishes. And then I teach them the squared breathing, where you breathe in for four seconds, hold, breathe out for four seconds, and hold. And it's like, can you do that when you do dishes? Well, yes. Okay, so there's, a, <laughs> you know, there's your minute. Start there. And I get them to write it, to check it off in a little box. I've made it's like a 100-day grid, and they just mark it off. I did it today. And I think that's really important, too. Part of this gong is to actually you know, keep track of it and say, oh, I'm on day 50 or whatever. But I just try to understand. So if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do my stretches, I can't do my exercises, okay, you know, why? Why? Like, what, what's blocking you? What do you think is blocking you right now? And I try to work with them through that to understand and to give them a solution. Okay, you could do it at this point. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Okay, cool. You know, and then they come back to me 30 days and like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for 30 days. It's awesome. And, you know, but if I ask them to do 10 exercises every day, you don't get the same results. But, and I think that's the big part of it. It's just really understanding the person you're working with and taking the time to ask questions, you know, what stresses you out? How can I help? What's really going on in your life? And then, and then creating solutions from there. Cause every single person is different. This hundred day gong, it, it has to be catered to every single person. And that is absolutely true. I, I appreciate how you said like, okay, then let's do 30 seconds. Let's do a minute. But you, deep down you can you can like you're sharing that intuition like you know kind of what they need and you need to give people that sometimes but they recognize it at that same level but they're just gonna that's their way of just pushing back it's like five minutes whoa 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 you counter okay 30 seconds like it's, it's tough to it's tough for somebody to argue with that especially when they know deep down okay i'm coming to see you for help with this kind of thing like i know i need this uh and as you said it's okay that 30 seconds probably turns into 10 minutes, I mean, in a heartbeat because they're recognizing what it really is doing for them over that time then too. Yeah. So I'm the kind of person who goes, every decision I make in my life, I go hundred <laughs> percent. So if I decide I'm doing a hundred day gong, I am doing it for 20 minutes every single day for the next, but that's just what works for me. That's why I could do triathlons and marathons. But for people, you just have to really, okay, what's going to work for you in this moment? Because some of them aren't like that. They're not zero to 100. So let's find out what is, and you know what? What really helps is doing, a, doing it with them right now. So if I get a client and I say, I, I'm asking that you do five minutes of deep breathing every day, then you're gonna get the resistance like, oh, I don't know. And like, okay, we're gonna do it right now. Day one starts right now. And that's what I find makes the biggest difference. Because I've tried that with people. I did a little experiment. So I would ask people to do five minutes and then I would just let them off and do it. And they would never, every time they came back, they said, no, I haven't done it. But if I did it with them in that moment and five, 10, 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. I did it with them. The return rate is hundred percent so far. So I think they need to see what does 30 seconds look like? What does five minutes look like? Or what does it feel like? I think that's the most important part. Yeah, for sure. It's that, it's that feeling. What do they really 
realizing for themselves with that. So that's, that's an awesome thing. Well, a couple last questions here. One of the first things, or one of the last things, excuse me, I always ask uh, people who come on the show is, who would you want to hear on the podcast? And what is something that you would either want to hear them talk about or a specific question that you would want to ask them? Ooh, you should have Ashley Merzik on your she's podcast. Actually, she's been on before. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. She and I uh, have like the same power animals and stuff, so we were able to kind of geek out on that too. It was a lot of fun. So she was something I know you've had Jator on your podcast yes, before. Yes. Or, or you could even say these people again, but what, what specifically would you want to ask them or hear them talk about? I love to hear people talk about their experiences. You know, their I'm really into relationships right now. I'm growing in a relationship with myself, with my boyfriend and I, and it's a relationship that's challenging me in every single way possible <laughs> in a positive way. But I would love to hear more people talk about relationships. What's working for you? How do you handle conflicts? How do you handle big events that come up? Finances? You know, just I want to learn more about how people, what do people do in relationships? The we. I want to learn more about (laughs) And that makes a lot of sense because you have to think everybody that you know you're in a relationship with of of some sort. Uh, So it's hey, kind of maybe going back to the, the 1600s there and observing that. This can be that similar thing. So you're observing what these people are doing on a daily basis that really help them uh, excel in all aspects of their relationships. So that could be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, because I think we grow through relationships. People challenge us in certain ways or bring things up about us. And, oh, it's whether you can either block it and ignore it or you can take five minutes and lay on the floor and (laughs) try to accept or learn about what that person just taught you. That, that sounds like a great thing. So, Noel, last thing, uh, what can I do? What can the listeners do to help you out uh, the most maybe today? And where can everybody find out more about you, just what you're doing, what you're sharing, uh, maybe a little bit more on Zealflow too? Yes, for sure. So all my information is at zealwellness.ca. That is the main page that you can find me right now. Otherwise, I... You know, Facebook is a great place to reach me, but through the website, people can get a hold of my emails and get a hold of Zeal Flow when the next camps are coming up. They can get a hold of, I will be launching some online programs coming soon and doing a lot more online coaching with people. You know, not so much of the the rah-rah exercise, here's a routine, go do it, but more of that, you know, deep connection. How can you love yourself more? How can you incorporate a 100-day gong into your own life? And so that's where, that's what's coming up next. But otherwise, zealwellness.ca. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So everybody making sure, going out, checking out Zeal Wellness, thinking about your relationships, maybe getting into this practice of the gong. Again, whether whether Noelle knows it or not, I'm sure she's touching at least 50 people uh, establishing a gong, uh, and it's, it's really going to give a lot of bang for their buck in their lives, in their relationships, in their emotional health, all of the above. So, Noelle, thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. 
Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.